Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Brother Youssef. And uh, he wrote that last verse to that song, and, and it was very fitting, great testimony in that song. We're going to dismiss our children and our King's Kids workers as they head over, and it's going to seem like uh, an exodus here. And while that is taking place, turn to the book of Exodus, and we'll be right back where we were Sunday night, Exodus chapter number 33, Exodus 33. We want to congratulate Kim and Scotty Key on staying together. That's like 36, 37 years. 37 wonderful. Kim said 25 wonderful years, and you said 37. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Congratulations. I'm glad you're in church to celebrate. It's wonderful. Exodus 33. I hope you, you're getting the, the book, Experiencing God, and, and that introduction in itself ought to encourage you. It's, it's a, it's a well-written book in the sense that Henry Blackaby was giving us his, his heart and so transparent about his testimony. And, and I think they're just simple things in there, some things if you've been paying attention, you've heard, but it's always great to hear people's testimonies, testimonies uh, declaring, here's what God's done in my life, and He did it in my life, He wants to do it in your life, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how the Lord will use this, but it's just a great, uh, great tool, as Brother Labee mentioned, and we're thankful for the opportunity to, to journey together and getting to experience God. Exodus 33, we looked here Sunday night at the matter of experiencing intimacy with God. I want us to go right back to this and talk to, there were some things that just, I was cutting out and cutting out Sunday night and trying to uh, stay concise with the thought of intimacy with the Lord. But I want to elaborate on it so it'll sound like we're, we're reviewing and repeating because we are, and we're looking at the same passage. Look, if you would please, in Exodus 33, where we looked the other night in verse number 14. And here's a great, wonderful promise that God gives. And this is in the context with, of Moses. And, and, and God said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. The truth is, we live as God's people. We live, we ought to live. We live by promises, not by explanations. The carnal man, the unsaved man, the immature man uh, who might be saved feels the need to have everything explained before they can act. But we live by God's promises, therefore we don't need all the explanation. Um, that's what Job was looking for, was some explanation. And what he found, however, that met the greater need was an experience with God. And the reason why God is not obligated to explain anything, anything to us, is for a couple of reasons. One, you couldn't understand God's explanation. Not if, if it was uh, really understanding what he was thinking and contemplating in uh, eternity past and how that will affect eternity future. We just couldn't understand it. And secondly, 
You may not agree with it because of sheer ignorance. We're, we're imperfect. And God may have some other reasons. He's not obligated to explain anything to us. And that's why we live by promises. We stand on the promises. Peter called them exceeding great and precious promises in 2 Peter 1 and verse 4. And I want to give and look at this promise again that we touched on Sunday night. And it's a very precious promise. In fact, Dr. Childs said after the message Sunday night is one of his favorite promises in the Bible. And I want us to look tonight in this matter of how to practice the presence of God. How to practice the presence of God. It's simple. I don't want it to be anything but simple. And I felt that having looked at Sunday night, we laid some groundwork and foundation and allow us just to massage this a little bit more because we're on this journey of experiencing God. And it requires intimacy with the Lord, but we need to know how can we practice God's presence. Number one tonight, if you're taking notes, note this. You need to know that God's presence is the solution to every problem. It is the presence of God that is the solution to every problem. That would really cut down on a lot of so-called counseling. And I'm not trying to curb any counseling or anyone from coming who has a need because there are times we're needing some wisdom, some light for the next step. But a lot of times what we're looking for is what the children of Israel were willing to settle with and it's something else other than the presence of God. When the presence of God has all the answers for us and ultimately the greatest counsel I can give and it may be in practicality but it's to get a person to experience the presence of God. Um, I saw recently... Quote, somebody sent it to me from Elon Musk, one of the richest men in the world. And so there's got to be some credibility when he says something. But he said in regarding this matter, I was thinking in terms of the counseling. But he said his mama told him that anytime you need more than one person to talk to about your problem, you're not looking for an answer, you're looking for attention. Oh, wow, I thought I'm going to clear out my office and put up that one sign when somebody says they want to come in and get counsel. Because they're getting counsel from this person, this person, this person. And someone says, where the Bible says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors, but you're not getting it if you don't get the wisdom. And the wisdom is going to tell you, get to the presence of God. Yeah. Well, you've got to know that God's presence is the solution to every problem. Let's go back into the background and setting. Remember, God had brought the people of Israel out of Egypt into the land of Canaan. With mighty power and a high hand, God led them. God had given them protection. He had given His people provision. And He had given them sustenance. And God watched over them with power. And miracle upon miracle was piled upon them. And God gave them a great and mighty victory as they were going into the land of promise. But the people then sinned. They sinned grievously against God. Remember, they turned to idolatry. They made a golden calf, began to dance naked around this golden calf. 
Remember, Moses had been up on Mount Sinai experiencing the presence of God. He was given the Ten Commandments. He comes down. He finds the people there dancing profanely around an idol, a substitute. And Moses is so grieved, he's so angry, he's so brokenhearted that the tablets of stone on which the Ten Commandments were written fell to the ground and are now broken. And Moses goes down and he takes that golden calf. In other words, he takes that substitute within the people of God's lives and he expresses what, what God was, was reflecting and the way God felt. And he burned it. He took that golden calf. He burned it in the fire. He ground the powder and he mixed that powder with water and he calls the people to drink that water. And their great delight has now become their great discomfort and despair. And God had moved to judge those people for their idolatry. He always will. He's a jealous God. And then Moses goes to God and then he intercedes. And he says, oh God, oh God, these people have sinned a great sin. Hey, you want to begin to find relief and revival you need to call it what God sees it to be. Someone said, I'm just having a bad day. Well, if it's sin, it's sin. Don't blame the bad day. Do, if you want to find revival, you're going to have to take the mask off like David and get humble and get right and call it. Jesus didn't die for your bad day. He died because of your sin. And he called it sin. But he said, God, please, oh God, forgive them. Lord, if you won't forgive them, blot my name out too, out of the book which you've written. He calls sin what it is. Some are, are wanting to experience relief from their problems. I, I've got a heavy burden. Why don't you stand up and get right with the brethren that you've criticized and, and you've run down? Why don't you stand up and call sin what it is. Why don't you get humble and get right? Stop pointing the finger at other people. Things you don't even understand, some of you, what you're saying. And yet you want to judge. You want to be uh, in the place of God and, and cast despair upon others because of things you don't quite understand. But you won't get humble like Moses and get serious like Moses about the sin and if you don't, you're not going to receive the promise like Moses received because of his humility and your arrogance. So God speaks back to Moses. God says, okay, you go on into that land. But I'm going to send an angel. I'll give you protection. I'll give you provision. But I'm not going with you. Remember, we talked about this Sunday. Moses said, no, Lord, I don't want an angel. I want you. In verses 11 through 16, we find this coming to place where the Lord speaks to Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. In fact, this will be our text tonight, verse 11 through 16. So let's do this. Let's stand. Let's read this text together. And uh, you follow along silently. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, 
Thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence, for wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight, is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Thank you. Please be seated. Trusting God to add his blessing to his word. We've got to know that God's presence is the solution to every problem. Did you see there at that last verse, Moses spoke of the fact that they would be separated. Moses said, I and thy people from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. What was it that made God's people so different? What was it about the people of God that made them different from all the other people upon earth? Someone says, well, because they worship the true God. Well, there's a lot of people who worship the true God, but are just like a lot of other people who don't even know God. I'll tell you, go back to verse 11 and notice this. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Underscore the phrase face to face. To face. Now notice the second part of the verse. And he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed now not out of the tabernacle. In verse number 16, we're different, Moses says. What is it, again, that would make Israel so different? It's not that the land of Canaan was just a wonderful land. It's not that the, the people were just a victorious people. What was it about God's people that made them different than anyone else upon the earth? Now, there's some, a, a, a valuable lesson here. You know, God's people are to be different. I am to be different. You are to be different. Canaan is to be different. The child of God is to be different. But what is it that makes us different from the people of the world? Is it that Christians' houses are better than the unbelievers' houses? No, in fact, it's the opposite in many instances. Is it that our businesses are bigger than the unsaved business? No, many times it's the opposite. Do we have better physiques, better faces than the people of the world? That's not it. What was it that made Israel different from all of their nations? What is it about the child of God that should set him apart from every other person who knows not God? It's the very presence of God. It's the presence of God. It's the presence of God. Of God. 
That's what differentiates even one Christian from another. The manifest presence of God. Every Christian is indwelt by God, but not every Christian is living filled with God. It's the presence of God that makes the difference. What is the presence of God? It's that Shekinah glory of God. God with his people. See, God's glory was represented by light. The light was typically referred to, the Jews in Judaism referred to it as the Shekinah glory of God. It came from a Hebrew word that means to rest, to abide. It's the same term that was used to describe God's appearance on Mount Sinai in Exodus 24. Ezekiel 43 in verse 2 says this, And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice was like a noise of many waters, and the earth shined with his glory. Now, learn a lesson. God said to Israel, I'll give you a promise. I'll give you a promised land. You can go in. You can have it. I'll send an angel. He will take care of you. You can go into the land that flows with milk and honey. There you have provision. And you can go over and you can have victory over the Canaanites. There's provision. And there's going to be victory from the Canaanites and the parasites and the termites and, and all the other ites. And I will give you victory. He said, just go on. I'll send an angel. He will escort you. But learn this. You can succeed. You can succeed without God. As far as the world is concerned. As far as how the world qualifies success. That's why we're going to study this year experiencing God in our heart, in our, in our home. Because the world's thinking of success has crept into Christian homes. And parents have had this modified view of what God thinks about Christianity and what we think about Christianity as it relates to the world. But the truth is, we should not be living by explanation. We should be living by the promises of Almighty God. And God's way of success is not going to be given the approval by the world. And the world's way of, of success is not going to be given approval by God. You can have provision. You can have protection. You can have leadership and still fail God miserably. You can have so-called success, quote unquote, without God. Speaking to some maybe here in this building, your business is doing fine, your kids are doing well in school, you seem to be healthy, you've got money in the bank, you say, God is with me. Ain't necessarily so. You say, well, I'm selling along, God is blessing me. May not be so. So you may have everything that your heart desires except Him. The one that you should desire the most. You may not have the intelligence, the spiritual 
wisdom that Moses had when Moses said, God, I don't want the land. I don't want the milk. I don't want the honey. I don't want the hills that flow with oil and wine. I don't want those things. I don't really care for your protection. Most of all, I don't think much about your provision. What I want is you. Moses says, I don't want the gift. I want the giver. A man by the name of McDonald said, and whatever a man does without God, he will fail miserably or he will succeed even more miserably. Think about it. Moses said, God, I want your presence. The greatest prayer request I say to the men in the men's prayer meeting is that God would show up. That's what we need. The first answer God gave was kind of a hollow answer as far as Moses is concerned. I'll give you protection. I'll give you program. I'll give you provision. I'll give you everything you need. And Moses says, you've not even touched what we need. We need you. I mean, to say, I'll give you everything, I'll send an angel in my place. You know, that's like being married and having separate bedrooms. Don't even make sense. Don't make sense if you do it either. I mean, God, I know you're there, but I don't want an angel. He says, I want you. See, some of you can't say amen because you'd rather have the angel. Well, I ain't scrapped the rest of the message. We can park here if that's where we need to park. You settling with the angel? Are you settling with his protection and provision? Even the unsaved, they could thank God for his protection and his provision. We've already mentioned that Sunday night, Matthew 5 and verse 45. Unsaved people can benefit from God's provision and protection. But they don't know, they do not know the manifest indwelling presence of Almighty God. You need to know, if you're going to practice the presence of God, you have to know that God's presence is the solution to every problem. What kind of problems? Well, some of the problems that I think Moses may have faced. Let me mention a few. One would be times of disappointment. Have you ever been disappointed? Moses was so disappointed he could hardly speak. Times of disappointment are going to come to you. As a matter of fact, it may be God's appointment for you to face some disappointment. Moses is so disappointed when he comes down that he just drops the tablets of the law. Those are pretty important documents. I mean, no one else had those. And yet Moses was encountering a heart-stopping disappointment. He had such great plans for the people. It was going to be wonderful. He's been off planning with God and he's getting a vision of what God wants to do with his people. And he comes back and he finds that the people of God, rather than waiting for God's leadership, they've made substitutions for God's presence. Some of you might be disappointed tonight. Pinned your hopes upon a son or daughter and they've disappointed you. Your dreams have turned to tears. Some of you thought that you had many years to live, but the doctor had says something contrary to that. Some of you have some business, perhaps, some investments that have failed. Disappointment. 
Maybe you've been disappointed in friends. Life is full of disappointments. Moses needed not the angel. He needed the presence of God for his disappointment. And so do we. But not just times of disappointment, but also times of discouragement. We need the presence of God. Moses thought, how am I going to do this? Here, I've got to lead these people into the land of Canaan. We've got to fight all these Canaanites. We've got this incredible program. Lord, I can't do this without you. I may be speaking to somebody. You've got some great, seemingly impossible task in front of you. Some promised land to conquer in your life. And it's filled with giants. You need the presence of God. You've got to know that it's only the presence of God that's going to solve every obstacle and problem. Also, times of desertion. In times of desertion, you need the presence of God. Even Moses' brother Aaron and the people of God had deserted him. I mean, it was just three days, as I mentioned, Sunday night. They sang the song of Moses. He was their hero. And three days later, that all changed. People are fickle. Maybe tonight, someone's deserted you. Maybe you feel lonely. Maybe you feel lonely in your old age. Maybe you feel forgotten. Maybe you feel misunderstood. You're all alone. The answer, you need the presence of God. There's another area where we need God's presence, and that is in times of desperation. The truth is, the time is desperate. It's just that God's people are not. But when you get a glimpse and what's happening, and you get desperate, you'll know it's the presence of God that I need. You don't know where to run. It's God's presence that you need. That's where Moses was. He didn't know where to turn. There are problems in our life that we're always going to face. It requires the solution of God's presence. The second thing tonight. Embrace the promise that brings his presence. We've looked at the promise, but embrace it. What do you do with the promise? God's promises are like checks signed by God. They don't bounce. And you can cash them over and over and over and over and over and over again. But how do you benefit from a promise? You have to embrace it. You have to cash it. You have to make it your own. It's called appropriation. Appropriation means make it my own. Embrace the promise of verse number 14. God said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. Let me talk to you about the promise that brings his presence. It's one of the sweetest promises in all the word of God. My presence shall go with thee. That's God's, we find promises synonymous to this in the New Testament. There's a plethora of these same promises in the Old Testament. My presence, my presence in the Hebrew language, which I know very little about. In Greek, I struggled with enough. Hebrew is a, is a completely foreign, different concept, but I understand enough to be able to use certain books that will help me but in this, 
in the Hebrew language, when he says my presence, he's literally saying, God is saying, I myself, my face will go with thee. I myself, my face will go with thee. See, it's the very personal presence of God. God doesn't say to Moses, now Moses, I'll be up here watching you. I'll peer down through the clouds and I've got my eye on you. No, he says, I personally am going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to talk to you. Not an angel. If you settled with the angel, I would have sent the angel. But since you're starving for me, Moses, I'll go with you. I myself, that's the very intimate presence of God. My face will go with you. Now pay attention. My face will go with you. Look at verse number 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses, what does it say? Face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. That's our hour with God. That's what we're going after. Uh, what, what was the number we had signed up, kept? 97 people took the challenge one hour a day. 97 people. Can, could you imagine what a church would be like? 97 people face to face with God. Now I told you the Hebrew meaning behind that. And he says, my presence. It's my face. I. I'm going to go with you. But face to face, I looked this one up. You know what face to face implies? It means, it means the smile of God or the pleasure of God. See, you only have the countenance of a person when they are facing you. God's smile was right there in Moses' face. Remember when Moses was up on the mountain? He came down. He had a divine sunburn. And it was so much so that the people said, you got to put something over you. We're out in the sun, we get burnt. People don't ever say, have you been inside too long? No, somebody says, you've been in the sun too long. I wonder if they can say, have you been in the S-O-N too long? Let me give you the great benediction that Moses wrote. And maybe it'll help us understand it. If you want to put this in the margin of your Bible, Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. Moses wrote, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Now what his face is, what, what, what his smile is all about. It's the shining face of God. It's the favor of God. The Lord make his face 
to shine upon thee. Number six in verse 25. It talks about the glorious smile of the Lord. You ought to be able to look into the face of God and see God smiling at you. Our wrong thoughts, many of us conjure up. If God looks at us, it's going to be with that evil eye because we're in trouble. Even the chastening of our God is because he so loves us. And if you could look into his face, you couldn't find anything but a smiling, favorable countenance of your heavenly father who is crazy about you. His smile, face to face, it's his personal presence. It's his intimate presence. It's the radiant presence. I've mentioned before, due to Christie's love for the ocean, it's grown upon me. And one of the things that I, the reason why I, I never liked going to the ocean much is because um, I, I didn't mind it. I just didn't like the sun, the sand, or the salt water. But outside of that, I was good with it. And so when I enjoyed it the most was when the sun went down. And I didn't mind going out. And, and when it was dark and just, I, I love the noise. And I love the, 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 the breeze. I, I, I love, the, I don't even, I, I like the smell of it. I just, it just, it's fascinating. It's vast. It's mysterious. And, um, and so I, I love that. And one of the things that, that I remember enjoying trying to, find something to enjoy early on. Now, I, I love it because of how much I love Christy and what she loves. And so over the years, it has grown on me, but I loved walking along the, the, the beach at sunset. And I'd watch the sun, that, that golden orb, as it would go down into the sea, and, and especially if the sea was calm. And it just was a beautiful sight. And the thing that happens is when the sun begins to set, there's that golden path across the water. It seems like it comes right to you. And if you're walking on the beach, it just follows you. Now, if somebody else is walking, uh, you know, 100 yards down, it's doing the same to them. Same sun, but if they were to look at it, they'd see that same path, that, that golden uh, glow coming across the waters. That's the shining, shimmering path, personal path from just the sun, just the sight, just my own putting these things together. But that's what God is wanting to do with each of us, is to shine His favor on you when you Look into his face while shining his favor on another. And because that's the God that he is, again, what sets us apart from everybody else is the presence of God. But what sets us apart even more ought to be the manifest presence of God. How does God show his disapproval? He turns away his face. And that's what we find mentioned, the reference to that often in the Bible. Put this verse in the margin of your Bible as well. Psalm 27, verse 7 and 8. 
The psalmist said, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidst, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Moses said, God, I don't want to go without you. I don't want to know uh, something else about you as much as I want to know you face to face, friend to friend. God said to Moses, my face will go with you then. Do you know what's wrong with Christianity today? Whether you want to know or not, I'm going to tell you. We're seeking God's hand and not his face. We're wanting God to do something. We're wanting God to save us from the drug dealers, save us from crime, economic uh, deprivation, disintegration of our home and society. God save us. God help us. But what God has said to us is this, 2 Chronicles 7:14. if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves, pray and Seek my face. God says, I'll show up. See, we're seeking God's hand. God says, you're wanting me to do something. We're seeking God's hand. God says, why don't you seek my face? What are you settling with? I'll give you a third thing. And I think this is the last one. We're going to practice the presence of God. Number three, take the peace. We talked about this Sunday night, but take the peace that accompanies his presence. Take the tranquility. Take the rest. He says it in verse 14. Notice it again. In fact, we've looked at it many times. You should have it memorized. Let's say it together out loud. Verse 14, and he said together, my presence shall go with thee. Let's try it again. My presence shall go with thee and I will give thee. You need God's glory smile. The Shekinah smile of God upon you. Now, if you'll seek God's face, you're going to get the rest of that promise. And the rest of the promise is the promise of rest. Peace. When you have that tranquility and peace in your life, it reveals His presence. Remember we gave the, the picture Sunday night of the disciples in the boat. The storm is crashing all around. The disciples literally thought this is it. They were writing their last will and testament and they said to Jesus, don't you care? The songwriter wrote a song that way, does Jesus care? And he goes on to answer, of course he cares. Yes, he cares. I know my Lord cares. But Jesus had peace. The, the disciples should have had peace. When you experience the presence of God, you can experience the peace of God. Amen. Now, this peace is not idleness. When there's the conscious presence of God, it's because you've sought his face and God says, I'll give you rest. But he's not talking about idleness. He's not talking about rest from work. He's talking about rest in work. Rest from doubt, rest from fear, 
anxiety, all the things that can rob you of God's manifest promises. Let me give you four realities as we tie this together with what I've already said. When you seek God's face, His smiling favor, you will experience the peace of God. And the world can't take it away. The world doesn't give it. Now, if you seek the world, you might get some harmony with the world, but that's not what we're talking about. That won't last. But you seek the face of God, you'll get something greater than anyone, anything in this world could ever uh, zap from you. It's the peace of God. And when that happens, here's four realities. Number one, when you're discouraged, his presence will see you through. Moses was discouraged. He's perplexed. But God says, I'll see you through. My presence, because with my presence, there's peace. Listen, I've been to many funerals, and some of you have as well. I've been to many hospitals. I've done many uh, counseling with brokenhearted people. You not dare dreamed of the number of heartaches and tears and disappointments that have come into this building. And on this property, I've sat with those who've been diagnosed with cancer. I've been with people who have suffered the, the devastating blow of losing a spouse, a child, or a parent in an instantaneous automobile wreck. I've talked with those whose lives have been attacked by adultery or fornication and unfaithfulness. I've talked with those whose children have disappointed them, have failed to listen, have done foolish things. But you know what all these people have in common? They all have this in common. They need the face of God. They need the smile of God. I don't know how people make it without the Lord. Psalm 116, verse 6 through 9. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low. I love this. And he helped me. How, Moses, how did he help you? This is what God said. I'll give you rest. In Psalm 116, verse 7, he goes on to say, Return unto thy rest, O my soul. For the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I'm telling you, in times of disappointment, friend, the dear Lord is there and his presence will see you through. In times, here's the second aspect. In times of loneliness, his presence will cheer you up. In times of loneliness, everybody gets lonely. Psalm 139, verse 17 through 18. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. Uh, than the sand. When I awake, listen to this. When I awake, I am still with thee. He says, I go to bed, I go to sleep. Lord, you're there watching over me. When I awake, I can't count my many blessings and name them all. I can't name them one by one. Why? Because they're more than the sand of the sea. Let me ask you tonight, are you lonely? 
Do you think that nobody knows about you? Do you think nobody cares about you? Maybe there's been a divorce. Maybe there's been death. Maybe there's been a desertion. Maybe you feel that you've gotten too old. Maybe you feel you're forgotten. Maybe you've checked the mailbox and you just haven't gotten any correspondence and there's no voicemail from any of the loved ones. Maybe you're lonely because of your success. You're at the top and some of the loneliest people I've met are those who are surrounded by people, but they have everything, but they're empty and lonely on the inside. Maybe they, they envy you, and maybe they fear you, and you have this loneliness, whatever the case, whatever the case may be. Remember Hebrews 13, 5, God says, I will never leave thee. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I've seen the lightning flashing. I've heard the thunder roll. I felt sin's breakers dashing. They were trying to conquer my soul. I've heard the voice of Jesus telling me still to fight on. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. Let me give you another aspect. When you're worried, His presence will calm you down. When you're worried, His presence will calm you down. In times of disappointment, he'll see you through. In times of loneliness, his presence will cheer you up. And when you're worried, his presence will calm you down. Moses had things to worry about. If they were on your plate or mine, we probably would worry. Everything was going to pieces. Yet God says to Moses, Moses, I will be with you. Are you facing a big problem? I mean a big problem. Moses was. Do you have some enemies? I mean some real enemies. Financial enemies, physical enemies, health enemies. Think about David Livingston. He was a brilliant man. He opened up the heart of the interior of Africa to the gospel. I love David Livingston. David Livingston was pioneering. And there were some in a Christian missionary society, Christian society uh, that wanted to, were, they were hearing of the great exploits of David Livingston. They wrote a letter to Livingston. They said, we'd like to come to where you are and help you out. Can you tell us of an easy way to get to where you are? Livingston all alone. He wrote a letter back and said, we're not looking for men looking for an easy way. We're looking for men who are willing to make their own way, signed David Livingston. But you know, David Livingston was all alone, and one night he was in a tent alone deep in the jungle. He could hear the war drums beating, and word had already come to him that these natives were going to kill him and destroy the very work that he set out to accomplish in bringing them to the Lord. He's sitting there alone and would never have known, we would never know what happened that night except someone was able to get a hold of his diary. And this is what he wrote January 14th, 1856, quote, Felt much turmoil of spirit in the prospect of having all my plans for the welfare of this great region and the teeming population knocked on the head by savages tomorrow. End of quote. He's saying, I have plans to reach all this region, this country, but now I'm faced with ruin. But then he says in his diary, quote, When I read that Jesus said, 
All powers given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Now listen to this. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And then David Livingston wrote in that little tent with the war drums beating out there by himself. He wrote this. It is the word, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It is the word of a gentleman of the most strict and sacred honor. So that's the end of it. I will not cross furtively tonight with anxiety as I intended. Should such a man as I flee, I shall take observations for latitude and longitude tonight, though they may be the last. But I feel quite calm now. Thank God. End of quote. It was David Livingston who wrote this, quote, God, send me anywhere. Only go with me. Lay any burden on me. Only sustain me. Sever any tie in my heart except the tie that binds my heart to yours. What was it that gave David Livingston calmness when he was so worried? What calmed him down? What quieted David Livingston? I, I like his terminology. It was the word of a gentleman, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you go and make disciples. You go on my behalf. I'm going with you, David. Let me give you another thought. When you're tempted, his presence will help you out. When you're discouraged, his presence will see you through. When you're lonely, his presence will cheer you up. When you're worried, his presence will calm you down. And when you are tempted, his presence will help you out. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. I mean, God is there moment by moment. And what we need to do is to stand upon his promise. I will be with you face to face if you seek my face. Now, before you close your Bible, let me just make this practical then. So how? How do we practice the presence of God? Well, three things. One, think about his presence. Think about it. Someone wrote these words. Lean thine arms. And, and you're going to get two things under this, number four. But I'm adding a third one that I didn't give to Brother Cherry. So I'm going to give you three things. The first one is think about his presence. But someone wrote these words. Listen to this. Lean thine arms upon the windowsill of heaven and gaze into the face of thy God. And then with the vision full in your heart, the vision of God's presence. And with the vision full in your heart, turn to meet the day. So you got to do that every morning. Just look into the face of God and think about Him.
His presence. The reality of God with you all throughout the day. Just stop. Just stop and practice the presence of God by saying, Lord, you are here. Here's the second thing. You need to pray to Him. That's why we have the hour with God challenge. Think about His presence, but then pray. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. So your prayer, your hour with God, your meeting with God, and if you want to shorten your, your time with God, if you, if you don't want to spend much time with Him, don't expect to get much favor from Him. But when you get into His presence because you love His presence, let your prayer be a day-long conversation with God. I mean, day-long conversation. That's praying without ceasing. What is prayer? Prayer is a declaration. It's a declaration that says, I can't do it. God can't. Prayer is declaring, I need you. And let it be a day-long declaration. I know what I'm doing. I know how to do this. I do this all the time. Yeah, but you can't do it in your strength and power and have life. Some of you drive. You've been driving all your life. And you say, I can do this without God. I'm not even talking about the safety aspect. But I'm talking about flesh self-dependence is where you say, I can do this. God, just keep me safe while I do it. But that's not living the prayer life. That's not living God-dependent life. God-dependent says, even though I know what I'm doing, Peter says, I know how to fish. I go a-fishing, but you can't even fish, Peter, without God. Because what flesh dependence does is it allows you to do what you think you can do. But God dependence enables you with life, light, and liberty while you do even the most mundane of things. Pray. Here's a third one. Praise Him. You want to know how to practice the presence of God? Think about His presence. Pray to Him. Number three, praise Him. When you look into the face of God, what can you do but praise Him? Just praise Him. Think about His presence, pray continually, and then praise, and praise, and praise some more. Sometimes people have said, you know, I just don't know how to pray. I run out of stuff to pray for. Well, then begin to praise. If you run out of stuff to pray, then praise, and you will find you have an ocean to swim in. And you'll never get through it all. Just say, Lord, I praise you. Start there. Do you know when God is especially near to a child of his? You know when he is especially near? When you praise. Psalm 22, verse 3. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Do you know that God occupies the praises of his people? That's one of the reasons we have a choir. That's another reason we have an orchestra. That's one of the reasons we sing. Because when we sing, when we praise God with song, sweet incense rises to heaven and His presence fills a place. Did you know that Satan is allergic to the praise of God's people? Amen. Now you praise each other and you praise yourself and he'll hang around. He likes to hear that. But if you begin to praise Jehovah, Satan says, I'm getting out of here. I don't like this atmosphere. I don't like the ambiance of this place. And when he flees, God shows up. 
Maybe he flees because God shows up. Praise the Lord. Praise Him. God occupies the praises of His people. Isn't that a wonderful promise? God says, my presence, my face will go with you and I will give you rest. Let's practice the presence of God. Let's stand together, please.